Hey everyone, hopefully you're great wherever you are today, whether you're on your commute, maybe you're on a run or a walk, or maybe you're just doing the mundane thing of dishes and cleaning the house. Whatever you're doing today, I hope you're great wherever you are. Uh, My name is Drew and this is the Fasting Series, a midweek podcast that we're dropping every week throughout Lent on the ancient spiritual discipline of fasting. And we've had a great, such a great discussion so far around what fasting is and why we would do this in our context here, especially with so much available to us with food and water. Uh, We're pretty much knees deep in talking about why we would do this. I'm not going to do any recap here. The best thing you can do if you want is to go back to past episodes of the fasting series that you can find on the Praxis Church podcast. Just look back. There's been five episodes so far. In them, we talk again about what fasting is, and we've been looking at different reasons why as a community and as people we would do this. Now, we have two weeks left. We're about 10 days away from Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and the anticipation is building. And it's pretty cool to set your heart, get your heart and your life prepared. And today, I actually want to look at a quick passage in Mark chapter 2. If you have access to a Bible, I encourage you to open it up if you can. Obviously, for many, you won't be able to. But I want to, this is actually a passage around Jesus and fasting in the New Testament. And there's something interesting that goes on here that I think helps propel for us a reason why we would enter in to a regular time of fasting, whether that's weekly or monthly or quarterly, wherever you're at with that. The next two reasons in the next two weeks specifically are going to be things that I think push us to the idea of why we should do this on a regular basis. So in Mark chapter 2, verse 18, I'm just going to read the text, and I just want to kind of pull out the reason why I think we should fast regularly. Verse 18 says this, now John's disciples and the Pharisees, they were fasting. Now I'll just stop there. I know, teacher, preacher, dude, they read one verse and then they stop. But here's the deal. We know, especially from the first episode that we taught in in this series, um, that people, especially ancient pious Jews, they fasted regularly. So John, his disciples, and the Pharisees, all these people are Jewish people, and they are fasting. But some, it goes on, the text says, some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? So Jesus here is confronted with a question. Discipleship is not mutually exclusive to Jesus. All sorts of Pharisees had disciples, and it's clear here that John, John the Baptist, had disciples. And they're fasting, as ancient pious Jews would do, probably twice a week, it looks like. I don't know if you remember, we even saw that when the church birthed this early church document called the Didache showed that the Christians began to fast twice a week and they did it on different days to distinguish themselves from the Jews. But either way, they're asking Jesus the question, wait a second, all of us as Jewish people, our disciples are fasting, but Jesus, yours are not. Why is this happening? And then Jesus answers in verse 19, please listen in. This is what he says. How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them. So I just want to read it again. How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so as long as they have him with them. But then Jesus says, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, they will 
fast. Jesus is putting out a picture here of his followers being the bride and him being the bridegroom. And the picture we're supposed to see, and I think we're supposed to kind of latch onto here, is that when the bridegroom, when Jesus is present, it's not a time for fasting, it's a time for feasting. It's clear that in this first century context, as Jesus is among his disciples, he is very clear that the Messiah, the King, the bridegroom is among them, and it's time to feast, it's time to eat, it's time to celebrate. And so one of the questions we have to ask is, what what are we living in? Is the bridegroom among us? Well, some of you will get really spiritual and say, well, he is by his spirit. But the reality is, I know I have a few wicked beards in my church community, and I'm sure you know some people with some great, great, fantastic beards. But here's the thing. There is no wandering Galilean rabbi named Jesus in my church. I haven't seen him recently in flesh and blood. And We need to think through this because Jesus is saying here, when I'm present with you, it's a time for feasting. And there is actually a model here, right? So think about it. Pre-Jesus, so what we read in the Old Testament, basically what Israel was doing is they were fasting in anticipation for the Messiah, for the King to come. When Jesus is present among them, it's very clear here in Mark chapter 2 that it's a time for feasting. That when God, through Jesus, is among his people, Jesus' presence calls for a time of fasting. But now, in the church age, because Jesus is not with us in flesh and blood, what we are doing is we're fasting in hope and anticipation once again for the return of Jesus. Make sense? Let me say it again. So, pre-Jesus... People, the community, Israel was fasting in anticipation for his coming. Jesus gets on the scene and it's a time for feasting. And now that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, we're in this age where fasting is actually part of our story as we long for the kingdom of God to come to earth as it is in heaven. I'll just say this. This is why I fast every week is because we're in a moment right now and Jesus is very clear here. That when he's not present, we fast in anticipation. That our hearts ache. And one of the ways that we ache and long for renewal and we long for the return of Jesus is we abstain. We feel it in our gut, literally. Our hearts ache. Because the kingdom of God is here, but we're also waiting for that kingdom to come in full consummation. And so... It's very important to see that Jesus is laying a model here. Israel fasted in anticipation when Jesus was on the scene. Everybody was, you know, he was calling his followers to feast and eat with him. In the church age, we're fasting. And then the hope, the telos of this whole story, the future hope, is that Jesus is preparing a banquet for us where we will feast. And so we live in that. We fast in this moment as the church, longing for the kingdom of God. Of God, And so one of the things I, I would call, and I think this is for all of us, we should think through in that longing, in that ache. And I'll just say this. If you live in North America where you have a lot at your disposal, very few of us, many of us even in the church are very distracted that we very rarely think about the kingdom and we very rarely think about the return of Jesus. But I'll tell you, man, as you grow in discipleship, one of the things that happens within you is you begin to long for the kingdom. And one of the ways of longing for the kingdom is by fasting. So guys, Jesus is preparing a place and a table for us. It's beautiful, this story, but we're not there yet. And one of the ways that we kind of express our not there yet-ness, if that makes sense, 
is by fasting and abstaining from food and water. Jesus was present among his disciples in, in Mark 2, but he also knew there was a day coming where he would leave. And this is a season and a time to fast before we feast. And so this is what I'm calling, this is why, this is what has revolutionized, if that, yeah, that is a word, revolutionized my life is this call in Mark 2 that we're not there yet. We're living between the times, we're between the trees, we're longing for the kingdom. And one of the ways that we long for the kingdom is by fasting. That literally, that awareness, that, that fasting creates an awareness of God. So when you go without food and water and you feel it in your gut, Every time that happens, you're drawn to God's goodness, his glory, and, and as well, this anticipation that he will return. Anyways, friends, that's all I have for today. I just think one of the reasons why we should enter into a regular fast and practice this regularly is because fasting longs for the kingdom of God. It's one of the ways that we long. We'll be back next week with our final episode of the fasting series. Until, the, until, that, until that time, friends, we hope you have an amazing week. Grace and peace.